A lot of people don't realize what's really going on. They view life as a bunch of unconnected incidents and things. They don't realize that there's this life lattice of coincidence that lays on top of everything. I'll give you an example, show you what I mean. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say like plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. You eat a lot of acid, Miller, back in the hippie days? Welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. I'm your work in progress host, Harv, and today we have a guest in the studio. His name is Alex Snarsky. And Alex and I, we haven't seen each other for, we worked out about 13 years. Yes. And I think it's fair to say that we're both very different people from the two people we were when we were hanging out 13 years ago. Yes, 100%. And as I mentioned in the previous podcast, Alex and I bumped into each other at a major hi-fi store, and we basically just got straight into it. Spiritual awakening, ayahuasca, meditation, yoga, all sorts of things. And there happen to be things that we talk about on this podcast, so I just thought we should just turn on the mics and uh, you know see what comes out. Um, but one word kept coming up in our conversation and the text that we exchanged while trying to organize this. And that word was synchronicity. So I thought we could start there and see where it branches out into as a discussion. So Alex, welcome to Narratively Speaking. Thank you, Harv. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Well, is it an honor though? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> really? this is the first podcast I've ever been part of. So Okay. Well, I guess a, that I guess that's something. It's that's something. for me. It could me. be it could be any podcast, though it doesn't mean anything for me then, does it? But that's fine. <laughs> Luckily I have no ego, so um that, that that I didn't even notice that. No ego. That's um that's incredible because I'm still trying to get rid of my ego <laughs> every right? day. Yeah, I say that somewhat ironically. I know it's a goal. Yeah. It's definitely a goal, right? It's a goal with everyone. It should be. Yeah. <laughs> so why did you use the word synchronicity to describe our meeting? Tell us a bit about the context and all of the synchronistic aspects of us just bumping in, into each other at that store. Well, it's weird. I guess synchronicity happens when you actually know about it. And I went through a lot of things and I started reading a lot of books. And then I came across this one book uh, named Synchronicity, not the one by Carl Jung. Right. But the one he's, he's by, the father of synchronicity, right? Yes, he and is. And a few other things. And he wanted to write a lot of stuff in this book, which the, this new author probably um now did. And um unfortunately Carl couldn't put it in back in the day because it was too spiritual, I guess, for the times. Anyway, uh this author is a very strange name. His name is um Dr. Kirby Surprise. Yes, that is his real name. Great. And I mean, how could you not read a, a book by <laughs> Dr. Kirby Surprise? I think he's like 60 years old now, got a couple of kids, but he's, um, yeah, he's um, had a lot of, as he stated, a lot of hard hitters reading his book. And it, look, it resonated with me incredibly and it pretty much gamified my life after reading it. And yeah, I guess once you know 
synchronicity is there, it just works for you. Yeah, it's something you just start noticing, right? Mm-hmm. The opportunities I- show up all the time. Maybe they were there the whole time. Yeah. But now you notice them like more than ever. And if something little happens, you learn like hell to appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. That's one of those things. I think it's it's an evolution of consciousness where you sort of get to a point where you're observing yourself enough that you can notice synchronicity coming into your life. And it's tempting to put kind of a magical spin on it. I don't know how magical it is or whether or not it's more just the act of noticing and mm-hmm. being aware. There's sort of an implication, and this is probably what Jung couldn't put in the book in his time, is that there's kind of like a guiding hand. It's like serendipity is luck. Mm-hmm. Synchronicity is as if there's a guiding a fate, basically, yeah. or, or God's guiding hand or something like that. So do you think it implies a belief in God or some kind of energy that you could call God? There's definitely an energy. Um, I think it dives into the collective consciousness, mm. which is something I learned about later as well. Mm. Um, what has, what's your definition of the collective consciousness? We were all connected at one point, mm-hmm. I do believe. And then um, the overall consciousness, it could be known as God, doesn't mm. have to be, uh, wanted to experience everything, right. wanted to experience life. So then it separated itself somehow. Mm. And I guess that's where we come into play as humans. So that's exactly the, I guess, origin story that I talk about in this podcast as Fantastic. well. Fantastic. I heard about that as, as a weird conspiracy theory, right? I was reading these um, forums, you know, Above Top Secret and those types of things. Oh, so it rings a bell. Yeah, there's, there's just crazy internet forums. They'll just talk about anything on there. Cool. And on, on Above Top Secret, this guy came on, his handle was Hidden Hand. And he said, I am one of the elite bloodlines. And he basically said, uh, occasionally we're allowed to come out and answer the little people like yourselves. And uh, if you have any questions, now's the time to ask. I can answer you honestly in most cases, right? So people were like, oh, who are the 13 bloodlines? Can you name them? And he'd say, well, their names aren't important. And you know, <laughs> So you read this thing and, and it was kind of weird for me because I read through it kind of laughing, like it was kind of humorous. But then there was a bit where he starts talking about the Illuminati religious belief, right? which is exactly what you described, that uh, okay. God was like bored one day, right? Or yeah. um, felt sad or depressed or something, right? Needed and to just experience decided, experience. Exactly. And just decided he wanted to know his own nature. He didn't understand himself. So splintered himself into billions, trillions of parts, mm. you know, sentient beings or whatever, the whole universe, so that he could experience himself from different points of view. So it's like this large psychological experiment of God, right? Mm. I, was, I was listening to that and I, it didn't really affect me. I was sort of just, you know, smirking along. But then when later on that knowledge sort of had sunk into my head and I was like, I can't stop thinking about that idea. That just sounds like actually what it would be. Like <laughs> if, if there's something going on beyond random, then that would make sense. And most religions don't make sense to me, you know, like. Christianity or whatever that we would have been brought up with. No. They don't have a very coherent story. I mean, they have a historical story, which is good, and the story about sacrifice. But that's all like sacrifice and guilt. Is that what we're here for? (laughs) They have a good story to manipulate the system. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's good. 100%. I should say that it is good for that purpose. Yeah. um, I think that's what it was was invented for. Yeah. I guess if you can get people to feel enough (laughs) guilt, then. 
you can get them to do pretty much anything. Oh, hundred percent. Especially guilt's terrible. But but people should feel. I, I think guilt's a natural thing too. Like I mean, obviously, I think if you murder someone, you might naturally feel guilty, even if Christianity didn't exist. I would hope so, unless you're a psychopath, right? Exactly. If you so. don't feel guilty when you murder someone, you are. Yes, 100%. I would hope so. <laughs> um, going, I think that's the definition, in fact. Yes, give or take. Go, going on that um, splitting of the consciousness, though, mm. um, I would um, I would almost go one further and say that this is just a human experience, and we actually were already split up in the higher dimension, if you will. Right, and. Quite possibly me and you were hanging in the higher dimension and we thought, hey, when we're down doing this human thing, we've signed contracts. Mm. This could be called a soul contract. We've decided to quite possibly say, hey, we're going to meet, you know, this guy called Timbo. Uh, you'll go to his wedding. We're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, sure. That'll be part of my life. Mm. And, then, uh, and then we'll catch up again. Quite possibly we've created a pathway for us. Mm. And uh, we've decided to experience each other in the human experience. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm starting to read about that stuff. And that's slowly coming into a line with um, a lot of Vedic texts. Right. Um, so it's really bizarre. You start reading a, a lot of stuff about quantum physics and stuff and how it, that aligns into the Vedic side of things. It's incredible. I noticed in synchronicity on Wikipedia... They say quantum physics is one of the explanations of why synchronicities happen. So awesome. that's kind of an interesting side to it as well. Yeah, awesome. it just it's it's like all these things keep coming back. And I, you know, I'm in a way I'm I'm a quantum physics skeptic or something. I feel like it's phrased in a way that doesn't make sense. You know, you, you double slit experiment and stuff, and how the spooky it needs- action. Yeah, that stuff. And then they say, well, conscious observation is the thing that changed it. And I'm like, no, well, ha- really? How do you, why do you make that determination? Like, that's not in the experiment, right? That's not actually proven by the experiment, but it's like the assumption everyone jumps to because it's like, humans are special. We're so special. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like people want to believe something that's beyond what we are. And I mean, I'm, I'm sort of in the train of thought. Maybe it's just, denial in a way, but I'm more in the train of thought of what's wrong with what we are anyway. Like if this was all it was, I think it has to be enough. Otherwise, aren't we always just going to be chasing the other and not enjoying the moment and making the most of what we do here? So I'm quite wary of things that make you think that you're insignificant or that what you do doesn't matter or things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's incredibly important what you, what you just said, um, to live in the present. It's mm. one of the most important things ever. Um, I think quantum physics, though, it's almost like a box that um, all the other scientists sort of, well, scientists created going, oh, let's put that in the too hard box. Mm. We can't explain it. So yeah, we'll call exactly. it this. Yeah. Um, but surprisingly enough, it's making more and more sense with meditation. Right. And okay. Explain that connection. Science and spirituality, mm. thanks to quantum physics, uh, a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of, um, oh, what, what's his name? Uh, Joe Dispenza. Have you mm. heard of Joe Dispenza? I don't think so. So he just wrote a book called Becoming Supernatural. Okay. And these are amazing things. Uh, just discovering about our pineal gland. Mm. I mean, this was unheard of. And a lot of people, you could say, a lot of conspiracies decided to keep that part of our body a secret. Mm. Um, 
It does seem that way that it's been suppressed knowledge because it's it was obviously ancient knowledge. There's a lot of uh, you know ancient artworks and stuff that it, you know that they surely they show the pineal gland mm. diagrammatically. Hundred percent. So they knew something about it. Even if you look at um, if you type in on Google um, eye of Ra and pineal gland. Mm. Everyone thinks the eye of Ra is like a nice little kind of logo with a bit of a sun, a bit of a eye mm. or whatever with an R looking thing. Um, but if you actually look at a cut pineal gland of the brain cut in half, it actually looks exactly like that. So it looks kind of mm. looks like an eyebrow and something else underneath, like, I don't know, the outline of a nose maybe. But um, in actual fact, if you put that side by side with a um, cut pineal gland of a brain cut in half. It's like it looks exactly on point, right? And um, is that why they call it the third eye? Then do you think because when it's cut in half, it exactly when it's dissected, it resembles an eye. Yeah. And a lot of pe- a lot of um, religions, or you know, a lot of um, cultures have said that mm. um, that the pineal gland is in fact the third eye. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it has a a vision of itself, but it's not an eyeball that's going to pop out of your head. No, even though it's been portrayed that way in <laughs> movies and stuff like that, but it's it's funny because you know you have popular culture portraying a lot of these ideas, but they don't portray them in a serious way. It's almost like that's part of the suppression. Mm. You know, do you think that um, popular culture has that kind of role where it's used to to maybe misdirect us a little bit or 100%. put ideas in our heads, of social conditioning? Oh my god, yeah. I. And it's funny, the more I meditate, the more my third eye opens, the more I take care of what I put in my body, Mm. the more I see this. Mm. Um, One of the best things I've done in my life is to not watch the news. Yeah, I stopped watching that ages ago. It's funny. It's always your elders saying, oh, you got to watch the news. you got to know what's going on in the world. Yeah. Look, that's true. Mm. But if everything that's going on in the world is incredibly negative, Mm. then it's not going to be good for you in the long run. So do you think it's that everything going on in the world is incredibly negative or it's portrayed negatively or focused on the negative by the media? I think we, I think what's happening in the world, we've had it the best we've ever had it mm. at the moment. I'm mm. loving life. Mm. Um, it's the way I look at it, of mm. course, um, and the practices that I've put into play. But um, look, no news sells like bad news. Mm. And um, that's why people are attracted to it. I mean, you know, there's a mass shooting and then people will actually be talking about it and talking about it in graphic detail. And then the next day at work, it gets spread. It spreads like wildfire Mm. and people think, Oh, let's talk about it to show concern. Yeah. Fuck that. You're not doing anything, mate. No, it's, it's just virtue signaling, right? It's saying I'm the type of person that cares about this, Mm. which uh, has a social function. And I, you know, I, I used to be sort of judgmental about it, until I realized I think everybody does it and it's an instinct that's built into us to make us actually do Mm. good things. The problem is we have social media, which gives us a shortcut to expressing concern Mm. without actually doing anything useful to help other than spreading the knowledge, I guess, or a meme or whatever it is that you happen to be resharing or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't see a lot of like intelligent conversation about issues when these things happen, it's more just, I just want to get the word in and make sure everyone knows. That I'm, I know, yeah. yeah. I'm against murder, okay? I don't like cancer. I don't like murder. And I want you all to know it. And, uh, <laughs> it, you know, sometimes I just feel like replying and going, so you're against cancer then? 
because uh, I'm all for it. I've actually, I actually replied to someone with that once, just saying the opposite of what everybody usually says, like what's the right thing to say. And it, yeah, some people got really, really upset with me. Well, on that, on that note though, like it's really interesting. I'm meeting a lot of people now who do have cancer mm. and they're using it um, for their absolute most advantage. Mm. They're just, you know, I've met people which should have died the doctors tell them that they should have died, you know, three years ago, but still eight years later, mm. um, they're going strong and probably stronger than it ever because they're using it as yeah. a force. Sort of uh, as a way to appreciate life. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that too. It's an interesting thing, this sort of virtue signaling. I, I, I listened to a podcast, a Sam Harris one, and he had a guest. Oh, I can't yeah. remember the guy's name now, but he was really interesting and he was talking about sexual signaling and virtue signaling. And it was the topic of the first podcast that I did was this because I just listened to it at the time. And it was fascinating the way he was talking about it because it was so non-judgmental. It was like any time a guy picks up a microphone and sings or talks into it or does anything creative, he's just trying to get laid basically. And he said, look, sexual signaling is everywhere. It's not a bad thing. It drives us to behave ourselves, to do good things, to be more community-minded, to collaborate rather than compete and uh, to become more than we would be if all we were trying to do is get food, you know, it's actually a, a positive force when you look at it that way, even though sometimes you look at someone and go, what the fuck are you doing? You on, that, I mean? on that note, I have to say, um, pre my Peruvian experience, yeah. my sexual s signaling was 100% there. Yeah. And uh, without fail, I had it. It was all about that. Yeah. After my Peruvian experience, that part of me died. Wow, that's interesting. So we're going to get to your Peruvian experience. But when we used to hang out 13 years ago, yes, all of us were about sexual signaling, right? I think yeah, I was a piece say. of shit. <laughs> Why do you say that? You didn't do anything unethical. I was, well, thank, I'm really glad I was that person because I have an amazing reference point to the person I am now. Mm. Um, and it's so funny. It's hilarious. But yeah, I mean, I was... You know, I grew up in Tassie, came to Melbourne, fresh to Melbourne. Just, it was all about drinking alcohol, um, playing music, being in bands, indulging in drugs that was really stu stupid for you. And yeah, it was just um, indulge, indulge, indulge. Mm. And um, yeah, that's completely different now. But hey, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I experienced the bad. So I came here with uh, my roommate at the time who was Jesse. So mm. I was 18. And um, Timbo was the Jesse met Timbo over the internet playing a sh playing shoot 'em up games, uh -huh. which I already thought, well, you could be anyone like Jesse. You can't just meet people over <laughs> the net. Like, what are you doing, mate? No, he's a gamer. He's trustworthy. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So, and then sure enough, Timbo takes us under his wing. I'm at eighteen, and he's uh, taken me to strip clubs and given me money to get him drinks. I was more than happy to do that. And yeah. It was such a beautiful, fantastic um, experience as an 18-year-old in Melbourne. It was great. So, Did you uh, realize there's a long chain of um, mentor-Padawan relationships and that he was just passing it on? I, never I didn't think about it until now. But there but is. It, but it makes complete yeah. sense. There is. I know several generations above Timbo that, that where they – Gave him an even worse trial by fire than he ever gave us. I'll tell you, some nasty. Like he nearly died a few times uh, trying to impress those guys by drinking and you yeah. know um, drinking enough to make it worthwhile. They would, they would uh, like pretend that they'd 
done a whole bunch of shots when they hadn't done them. And then Timbo would do them thinking that, you know, he had to catch up and he'd be just off his face. And, you know, yeah, there was this whole, it was almost a bullying thing in in some ways, a lot more, a lot more than the way he did it. He was also probably told you about his army experiences where he was quite badly bullied as well. Uh, Maybe not. Not not really. I'm sure he would have spoken to Jesse about all this stuff. I mean, whenever I spoke to Tim, I was, I was so stoked to get invited to that wedding of his as well. Mm. Um, that was that was incredible. I mean, but in the end, I was just a pisshead. Whatever Timbo told me, yeah, you know, I was just I was selfish. I was mm. all about myself, all about the good time. Mm. And um, but I appreciated him, and I thank him now mm. for giving me all those. Um, me too. But I, I I wasn't about that at all before I met Timbo. So I was very um very much quiet creative, always making music, writing short stories, you know, that, that kind of kid. Mm-hmm. And he coaxed me out of my shell in a way and uh, told me that really life was just about getting drunk and trying to get laid <laughs> and m- making enough money to fund it. And that was yeah. it. That was the whole thing. And that resonated with me too. But it, 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 it shouldn't have. I mean, no. it, it wasn't where I was in my head. But at the same time, when he said it, I was like, yeah, you're charismatic enough that that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I look up to you enough. You're older. You seem wiser. You're cooler than me. Let's just do that then. And uh, it's not that, uh, you know, that there were no benefits in, in it. I'm, you know, my, I probably own my career to Timbo. So mm, wow. um, whatever I'm doing to fund this podcast, I probably couldn't do if it hadn't been for Timbo. I'd be doing something else. May have found a different path. I might have been rich. I have no idea what the other path would have been, but um, you know, I can make a decent salary on the stuff that uh, that he taught me and that he brought me into, and he gave me a few career bumps along the way as well. Just brought me into organisations that he was in. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I just look at him as like a he was inserted into my life. He had his influence, and then he was pulled away. And at that moment in two thousand and nine, after he um after he killed himself. I realized I don't know how to stand on my own two feet now. Like I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And it kind of, in a way, snapped me out of it. But at the same time, it put me into a downward spiral for a period of time where everything that he taught me, I just did more and more and more of it instead of pulling myself out of that cycle, you know, Mm. like that downward spiral. It was a really interesting time because I look back on it now and I go, yeah, I can see what was happening. But when you're in it, I had no idea. I People would say, you know, maybe you're grieving. And I'd be like, over what? Mm, you know, <laughs> interesting. what are you talking about? I live the best life ever. I'm living in the Philippines. I'm partying every night, getting drunk, getting laid. What, what is it that I would be grieving? And uh, yeah, I look back on it now and go, yeah, classic signs, oh, all, all, all the phases. You know, you can just look at the exact psychological thing. But it got pretty bad there for a while. You're lucky you got to skip that bit. Yeah, so he he essentially was your best friend, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he was the biggest influence that I ever had in my life, probably, uh, sorry, mum and dad, but probably including my parents to an extent, you know, beyond when I was an adult at least. Obviously, they form your entire personality, your parents. But once I was 18 and on my own, his influence took over everything. What an amazing soul contract. Yeah, if if you want to put it that way. So explain that a bit more because I I don't necessarily feel like we're here deliberately or that we've agreed to it like a contract. It's a nice metaphor. I like it better that way. It's it's working for me at Mm. the moment, thinking about it. I might change my mind in a couple of months, but right now the whole soul soul contract thing, it's 
fantastic and it ties in with synchronicity as well mm. um so yeah back on that i mean it's really weird how you came in to the shop i was working at it was actually my last time at that shop before i got transferred to another one mm. that that in itself is pretty crazy as well and not to mention i've only been to that store uh half a dozen times i mean i've only been living in, in this area for you know yeah under a year so so there's definitely some type of energy that's out there mm. and we were meant to meet and record this. Who knows what else is going to happen. But then, but then other things I mentioned, um, I mentioned a man to you, Asher Packman, mm. and um, then you mentioned Doug Wilson to mm. me. And so apparently they're friends as well. Yeah. It's crazy. And this is where it's really crazy. Mm. I didn't even know about Doug Wilson. I know he's crazy. Like he had such an amazing life um so hardcore with psychedelics and now he's mm. like a kundalini master yeah and well, but he it, wouldn't like being called a master but oh yeah. okay okay <laughs> cool he doesn't believe in those uh, those kinds of titles you know, that's like, a very good thing that's yeah. awesome yeah he's he's the real deal it's really interesting though that name came about and then um i recently went on um a ceremony and um i gave a lift to um to a guy which I'm now really good friends with, absolute champion, all about living life to the fullest. Um, but yeah, gave him gave him a lift. And originally I was like, oh, maybe we should just go separated. I like to listen to my audiobooks. It was a two and a half hour drive out of Melbourne. But then he suddenly goes, oh, no, no, no. Like, man, it would be awesome if you could give me a lift. I've never experienced this before. I can talk to you about it, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So anyway, he, um, he ended up uh, mentioning Doug Wilson in the car. No way. Legit. Unprompted unprompted mentioned Doug Wilson in the car yeah um in the meantime I was getting a text from you at the same time no way yep and that I think the name was mentioned there or whatever your text said it prompted me to mention Doug Wilson mm. okay so we ended up talk talking and he actually was at um the this circle which was um Asher Packman has this men's circle which is absolutely a phenomenal place for knowledge i went i've been to it twice and now i think it's changed a bit but it was every every second tuesday but um chris is the guy um who i gave a lift to he was at the circle with doug wilson doing a talk wow um i wish i was at that one i wasn't at that one yeah. but um yeah he mentioned that to me so check this out once we get to the destination where this ceremony's taken place which is a beautiful house which was um used for buddhists in uh south gibbsland okay yeah. um never been there before melbourne's really beautiful it's amazing we should travel out more <laughs> yeah I, it's, it's... I should make some time to travel out more often because i've been here for ages now and i yeah. didn't yeah you've been here a while <laughs> was it 15 years or something yeah. yeah so only in the last two years after whatever happened to me am i now appreciating these things but um yeah basically once i got to this uh this uh retreat uh there was another gentleman there by the name of Bradley and I started talking to him. We started talking about our car trip and then we did some Kundalini ages ago before the end of the year at another ceremony. Right. But, um, so I've now seen him what it's now been three, four months. And I said, how you been? And he goes, yeah, um, I've actually really taken Kundalini on board. And I'm like, oh, crazy. Yeah. We were just um, talking in the car about Doug Wilson. And he goes, yeah, he's my teacher. I go there every no Thursday. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, seriously. So either there's synchronicity happening or 
like there's some kind of cult that I've never heard of and you guys are trying to get me to join. <laughs> I'm not sure which. Definitely the second one. Yeah, yeah I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the defense from now on because it, it's getting freaky. It's very freaky. But, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I've gone my whole life without thinking about meditation or yoga or knowing what kundalini was or uh, doing any spiritual thinking until quite recently, you know, last sort of five years maybe, I guess. Um, I didn't even realize I was doing spiritual thinking, though, particularly. I was just asking big questions, and that kind of leads to spiritual answers, right? Yeah. Or at least you find of course. them, yeah. whether you buy into them or not. It's hard not to believe that there's something going on, right? That's kind of what I'm about. That's what this podcast is about. It's about the importance of story and recording story, because I think in a lot of ways, like when my kids were told, oh, don't, don't be creative, you know, like that's something to be stamped out of you when you're an adult and learn a skill, you know, and, and just reuse that skill over and over again until you're too, too old to do it. And then you can retire and enjoy your life. Mm, become it, part of society. Mm, and it doesn't, it's not a story that really makes sense. And I've always felt that creativity was important. I couldn't, couldn't come up with a reason why or a logical structure in my brain for how it could be until I thought of, until I came across this idea that where you know as fractured god experiencing ourselves through um through individual experience and i thought well if that is true then the stories we tell and experience and take on board are the knowledge that that god is trying to acquire which means story is the meaning of life and as soon as i came to that point that's great that was the starting point of doing this podcast because i want to believe that i don't care if it's true or not at this point but I want to believe that whatever I was doing when I was a kid and that I do now, this sort of creative drive, I want to believe that it's, it can't just be for nothing. What's, why is it in us? Mm. It can't just be sexual signaling, can it? <laughs> it could. It that's, could. that's beautiful, Hub. I think, um, yeah, let's try and make podcasting the new campfire. Mm. Well, that's, it sort of <laughs> is becoming that anyway. Yeah, good. And it's, it's, it's hitting a crisis at the moment whereby the big, Companies have just noticed there's a whole bunch of content. No one's monetizing it. We could mm. just get in there. We'll buy off this one and we'll do this. And they're, they're separating uh, the herd and, you know, dividing and conquering and doing all the awful things that sort of capitalism does. Mm. Uh, natural processes within a capitalist system, of course, but still quite destructive to the idea of, of a public square or a campfire or, you know, those types of concepts, mm. which is what I like about podcasting. So um, I'm hoping that they shake out in a way that isn't too disruptive. But I know, uh, like, I love the Russell Brand podcast. He interviews some really interesting people. Last week was the last one I'll ever hear because he's gone behind a paywall now. So, oh, what? Yeah. Yeah, he's joined, um, what's it called? Lum Luminous or ah, Luminary, I think it's called. Okay. So he gets a regular income. He doesn't have to read ads anymore and no one's going to listen to him. Hopefully, because I want that whole thing to fall on its face. But it's funded for three years anyway, so it doesn't need to make money. So wow. all they're doing is going out, buying up these big popular podcasts, putting it behind a paywall and giving them guaranteed money. But the money's coming from venture capital. It's not coming from the profitability of what they're doing in their business model. So it's going to happen for three years, no matter what we do. It's completely funded. So there's going to be a whole bunch of podcasts disappear and it's going to shake things up. Wow. So it's up probably to the rest of us too. I think everyone should just have, a, have their own podcast. and. Talk about the contents of their brain because why not? Oh, I think that's... I'd rather hear that anyway. 100%. You know, it doesn't need to be intellectuals. It doesn't need to be someone who's got it all figured out. It's okay that 
you're figuring it out as you go. That's what this is about. That's what life's about. I think it's more important to not have it figured out. I think so too. Yeah. Anyone who tells you they've got it figured out is probably selling a book, right? Oh, 100%. Mm. So the other thing about this <laughs> philosophical sort of concept, mm. so you, you talk about contracts and stuff. I find that really interesting. I'm going to think that through <clears throat> a lot more. We'll talk about it a bit more as well. Yeah, yeah. But I've come across this idea of determinism, which I'm sure you, you, you're aware of that sort of idea generally. Oh, uh, explain. So determinism is this idea that um, we don't really have free will, but we do have the ability to narrativize events. So we give the meaning to the events that happen, yeah. but we can't control the events. So the, the sort of metaphor that I use to explain it is if you're washing the dishes, you take the plug out of the sink, all the particles of water are swirling around the sink for a period of time. Yeah. There's a lot of activity. They're all moving around. You know, eventually all the water's going to go down the sink, yeah. right? Um, but from the perspective of the molecules in the water, they could be telling each other anything about what's happening to them right now. They're swirling around. That, that could be a, you know, a planet um, orbiting a sun. It could be anything to them. Who knows at that, at that lower level? You know? And when you change the scale of the story, the, the smaller the scale gets, the more it becomes narrativizable in an individual way. From a distance, it's obvious there's something, you know, there's a celestial body going around another celestial body, right? You can see it because you can see the pattern from that distance. Yeah. But from the molecular level or whatever other scale, it can look quite chaotic. Yeah. So determinism is sort of the idea that no matter what happens, the water's going down the sink. Mm -hmm. But how and why and the things you think about it and learn from it as you're going down uh, in this swirl of soap and grease or whatever it might be in your sink, mm -hmm. You, you get to sort of learn knowledge, store knowledge as you go down. And the experience is what makes it worthwhile, even though there was no chance of you escaping the sink. I like that. I also look at this. I just literally just finished this book called um, Reality Transserving by um, Vadim Zeeland, I think. Don't quote okay. me on that. Anyway, he basically comes across this concept that um, we have all these parallel pathways. Sure. Um, and we can basically surf at each one so all these things all these pathways have already been written yeah by making um, choices we surf one way or another yeah exactly yeah. um but we need to know that those good pathways the ones that we want to take actually do exist so i'm pretty sure maybe there was a pathway where alex called um called harvey and said oh look man i'm too sick i can't do this podcast mm. and, and then i never texted you again and then I got hit by a bus anyway. And, th and then you got hit by a bus. No, you got cancer. <laughs> I got cancer. Yeah. Really, really quick one though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, there's all these, all these pathways and I guess we have a choice to see which pathway we want to go on. And I love the water going down the sink analogy because I'm a true believer in that water carries information as well. Yeah. Well, I think if there's such a thing as consciousness that something that's like an energy that stands on its own as opposed to just an illusion created by the electrical signals in our brain, which is kind of how it's always been described by science. If there's something meaningful, then that consciousness has to be in everything to an extent. It has to be. I mean, even if you know this lamp, it can't move, it can't express its consciousness or whatever, but it must be gathering information in its own way. Well, yeah, with the... That that's where vibration comes into play. Yeah. 
um, everything is a vibration. And that's such a beautiful thing that everyone should know as obvious. Well, it's obvious to me now it wasn't before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, the vibration thing is something you come across really early when you start looking into spirituality. And while I still try to stay grounded in, in science, um, vibration is science anyway. Because I, I still think there's a chance that science will explain most of the human experience, regardless of the experiences that we have that we can't explain yet. Mm. doesn't mean that's just science catching up, right? Like, yeah. Science isn't even researching things that we know are really significant, right? But we are getting stopped. I believe the media is suppressing us. If you look at a concept like the vibration one, I mean, ages ago, um, you know, the author Napoleon Hill, he wrote mm. that book, Think and Grow Rich. Right. A lot of people read it. He put a secret chapter. Is that like the secret? The, you know, Law no, of Attraction? No, oh, Law of stuff? Attraction. No, no, it's more. Focused. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's parts of that. It's pretty much the law. Yeah, it's pretty much the original Law of Attraction. Mm. Um, the thing is, though, at the very end of the book, and I heard this later, there was a chapter which did not get published, and it was all about vibration. Right, okay. And it did not get published because uh, the publisher obviously thought people are going to think you're crazy. Um, but I guess maybe there was also higher powers saying mm. the world doesn't need to know about this. Mm. Um, There's certainly an appetite for it. And I think that's why a lot of the synchronicity of you and I meeting was to do with the amount of stuff that we were both interested in, mm. despite being having a 13-year gap of seeing each other and not being interested in any of it, either of us yeah. in, back then. So we've gone down sort of a parallel path in a lot of ways. You're way more advanced down that path than I am. From no, what I, I don't know tell. about that. <laughs> well, no, I, I do. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I think some things might have enhanced me in mm. different ways. Mm. All right. Well, let's talk about that. We know we're going to get to it eventually. So you told me uh, right in the middle of the, the Hi-Fi store, um, about all of these uh, experiences you had in Peru and so on. So yeah. So start with that, but tell us the story end to end because you, you 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 spoke about suffering a breakup first and how that kind of yeah. So this is I guess this is where the um, reference point of old old Alex to new Alex happened. So I was with a girl playing in bands, thinking that that was all, this is what life is all about, and I was with her for seven and a half years, and in the end. Um, it was a very brutal breakup. I won't go into how brutal it was, but it was incredibly brutal and it was hardcore on me. But I mean, you got to look look at it. I, I deserved it. I was a dick and I didn't read books. I wasn't interested in anything. I was, I was selfish. I was mm. all about, it was all about me. So I don't blame her. The things that she did in the end, the whole breakup and how it happened, I actually don't blame her. In, in fact, I actually thank her because everything that happened, it, um, it it was meant to be it happened for a reason and now i actually realize that but yeah i mean anyway uh we were uh, on a family holiday mexico so i'll just uh i won't mention everything but uh basically she just left me on the spot and this is a woman that i was gonna potentially have kids with um i wanted kids she didn't we were having a bit of an argument on that um had you proposed or anything like that yet no propose, but uh, were you no, planning I didn't. to, or you just didn't think marriage was. No, that was probably on the cards for me. But I mean, in the end, I was like, yeah, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this girl. Um, and yeah, uh, that actually didn't happen. So that was Tate and guys. As I found out, we we take breakups in a much different way. 
I think no. we're the true romantics. <laughs> they say women 100%. are romantic. What's romantic about wanting a ring? There's nothing romantic about no, that. No, no, no. We yeah. take it. We take it right to the heart, though. Don't right we? to the heart. Yeah. And, we're quiet um, about it, but we. Uh, that's the other thing. I dealt with it all by myself. I didn't really call anyone. Um, it was on a family holiday. My brother was getting married in Mexico. Then I wanted to go to LA. Being a musician, playing in bands, LA was one of the places I wanted to go to the most in my life. But that's actually, we broke up in Palm Springs. We drove down to LA. I'm still like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll get back together as mm. you do. Mm. Um, so dumb. And then <laughs> everybody thinks that first. Oh, though. yeah. It's ridiculous. The denial phase. It's, it's the phases of grief. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. And, um, and then she's just certain, like, no, this is going to happen. And, and I was just like, oh, okay. So I was, yeah, basically left alone in LA and I didn't know what to do. So I started reading. And the first book I started reading was um, just some bullshit about um, breaking up, how to deal with a breakup. It was trash. It was absolute trash. But, it started me. It started mm. me on a path. And um, I think I had four days in LA completely by myself. I was just smoking ciggies and drinking beers. That's all I did. Did mm -hmm. not want to talk to anyone. Just wanted her back and believed that, yeah, this is not going to, this is, it'll be fine. Yeah. Everything. This will blow over. Yeah. 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 Um, it's not like the seven years that, there'd been something building up or whatever. Yeah. It was just on a whim. She just decided <laughs> to just destroy both of your lives. Yeah, just as old the whole thing. Yeah, mm. that happened. And I, I guess that was the biggest turning point. Um, and I was like, okay, Alex, what are you going to do, man? You mm. can either, you can take this, you know, down two ways. So um, I basically started reading, started going to the gym, um, still probably driven by um, the sex. Yeah, as you, as that's how you get the next girl. The virtue, yeah, yeah, the sexual virtue. Still, that was obviously on my head. Then something happened and I was like, I need something more. Let's, let's look into meditation. No one told me anything. Mm. I just came across it myself. And then I thought, surely there's an app for this. Mm. And there was. There, there are was, apps for it. Oh, yeah. There's millions now. Yeah. But the one I came across was Headspace. Okay. And it's done wonders for me. Guy with a British accent, totally guiding you through it. And it's all mindfulness meditation. So based on the breathing. At the end of it, um, at the end of, you can either go 10 minutes or 15 minutes. At the end of it, um, he he actually says this thing, now let go. Mm. And that was amazing for me. Mm. It really resonated. Yeah. So this started doing this app and I did it. I have to say when I got the app, um, I did one of the books I read, I was power of habit. Mm -hmm. And also I guess going to the gym gave me these new neural pathways, which, um, gave me, I guess, a bit of discipline or just the knowing that if I keep at it, it'll give me a benefit. So as soon as the meditation, um, happened, I also read that, you know, if you're going to do meditating, you, you gotta, if you're going to be meditating, you got to do it every day. Mm -hmm. um, you miss one day, you miss them all. So since I got that app, I have meditated every single day. Wow. How many years is that now? Uh, I think it's just, man, this is pretty recent. So I think it's just coming on two now. Okay. So it's just coming on two now and it's been, um, maybe two and a half, but then, um, obviously my practice got a little better. And after Peru, I needed something more, which I'll get into started talking to my friend from ages ago a little bit more um daniel schweiker he lives in brisbane right now but um yeah we kind of were reading the same books and we kind of had this plan 
um, we're like, hey, let's go on a holiday together. Um, so yeah, May last year, May 2018, we, uh, oh, six months before that, I guess we made the plans to go to Peru. He was the one who said, hey man, do you want to try this tea? It's called ayahuasca. And I'm like, I kind of heard of it. Mm. And then I hope you didn't think it was like just a regular tea, like English breakfast or something. No, no. I remember. Have you got peppermint? (laughs) No, just the ayahuasca, man. Can I have peppermint? No, this is the only tea we have. Oh, hilarious. (laughs) So explain it for anyone who might not know, because I have no idea who listens to this podcast. There's about 40 people. So there might be one in there who's never heard of ayahuasca. Oh, I think. I think there's still a lot of people in the world who haven't heard of it, but you know what? It's starting to become a thing now. It's it just is, yeah. more and more. Mm. Maybe it's the synchronicity be- between us, but I think it's even more than that. It's showing up all the time. Well, there seems to be a spiritual gap or something that people are searching for. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's evidenced in our synchronicity, but everything that, that I've been sort of experiencing in the last, I don't know, since I woke up, after uh, Timbo died and I, I finished nearly drinking myself to death, oh. then uh, after that, I just started getting back into creativity. And I think creativity leads to spirituality and all sorts of sort of, totally once you agree. open your mind and your heart, it's, it all comes in. Oh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, yeah, the, the meditation. But then I have to say it was the Peruvian tea known as ayahuasca, which, yeah, I guess let's, let's explain what ayahuasca is. It's a tea drunk by... Um, the, Am- the Amazonian tribes pro- hundreds of years ago. It's been used for hundreds of years. It's, yeah. a, it's a plant medicine. Mm. It's also the most powerful hallucinogenic um, in the world. Ayahuasca, um, it's basically, I, it's incredible how they, maybe synchronicity happened back in the day, how they found out how to make this concoction, this tea concoction, because um, you've got one plant which has got um, DMT in it. It's the chacruna plant. In Australia, when ayahuasca gets made, yes, it does happen here. Mm. Uh, we use acacia trees, okay, uh, which are everywhere. Is it acacia or acacia? I, I don't you know. You can say it any way you want because cool, I don't cool. know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, basically it's two plant, two separate plants. One has the DMT in it. And that's and, the psychedelic component. And that's the psychedelic component. But everything has DMT in it. We actually have are making DMT um, right now. There's been found trace amounts in our cerebral fluid mm-hmm. um, and trace amounts in the pineal gland, but they haven't proven that that's where it 100% comes from. And the, the idea is, and I'm not sure if it's proven in science yet or not, you might know better, mm-hmm. but from what I've read, the idea is that when you die, you're flooded with DMT. This is the most mm. DMT, the biggest DMT hit you'll ever get is in the moment of death and that's why they're trying, you know sort of how they explain the tunnel and the light and I read that too similar things i'm not sure if that's scientific or whether that's a theory though whichever one it is i 100% believe it because i'm not afraid of death cool, and this I was, is- was going to kill you at the end of this oh sweet i'm cool just in it. case there's any you know intellectual property disputes it's just so much easier <laughs> It's all mine. <laughs> oh, and that's and then it's meant to be. Yeah, well, know? that's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's nice to know that you'll just accept it gracefully. That, 100%. That's my human experience finished. <laughs> that's right. And um, I, that's the beautiful thing. It's just an experience. Mm. We still exist afterwards. Mm. I fully believe it. Mm. Um, did I believe that before this experience, before this Peru holiday? Absolutely not. 
Mm. I thought we just turned into nothingness and got buried in the ground and that was about it. All right. So the second ingredient is? Yeah. So we've got the shakuna plant with the DMT. Then we have the ayahuasca vine, um, which its scientific term is Benisteriopsis carpi. Yes, of course. That's um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's how you how you say it. Anyway, it's incredible that um, you need these two plants to actually make it work. Because what the ayahuasca vine does uh, when our when our everything's got DMT in it, salad's mm. got DMT in it, right? And when we eat a salad, our body has enzymes in it called I think it's monoamine oxidase, mm. and these. Enzymes, they actually deactivate the DMT aspect of the plant. So then well, we can the consume it. Absolutely no fun. So how is it possible that the ayahuasca vine is actually an MAO inhibitor? How did they find that out? They it didn't... must be experimentation. Uh, it's ridiculous though, because it tastes like ass. It, it <laughs> yeah. absolutely tastes like shit. So it's like what they weren't driven by flavor. I think someone, something, somehow told them. And um, it's just incredible. So this MAO inhibitor inhibits the enzymes from working properly. Therefore, the DMT breaks through the blood-brain barrier and you trip balls for four to sometimes eight hours. Okay. And to me, it was the greatest experience of my life. So yeah, like I said, I was uh, talking to Daniel. We, um, he mentioned the ayahuasca. It started popping up in the books we were reading. And um, he's like, come on, Steve Jobs has done it it's like okay cool yeah Mm. sounds sounds right i just felt like i needed something i needed the whole meditation was just guiding me and then this trip and then basically it was originally just meant to be a trip to peru but then it got made as the ayahuasca was the main thing that was the main thing it wasn't like oh let's do so it's not something where you go to peru and it's like oh maybe we'll try this Mm. No, you plan it. So we went to this beautiful retreat called it Nikas, mm-hmm. um, which at the time for the money wise value for money and uh, the package deal, it was fantastic. There was psychologists there. There was, um, there was doctors there and um, they treat it with the utmost respect. And um, there was also a shaman and we got cleansed beforehand. It was a true ceremony. And I have to say, I just have to big up at Nika's. Um, I felt completely safe all the time. And they asked me to do a trip advisor review, which I haven't done. So I'm doing this. This is better. Yeah. <laughs> you should probably get onto that. <laughs> it's been a while. It has. I feel terrible. So I'll definitely um, do that. Were you aware of any potential risks or dangers or anything like that at the time? I mean, I know there's some quite alarmist scientific findings out there about how it rewires your brain chemistry and it's not always in a good way. It's not. Um, I started feeling incredibly confident with the amount of meditation I was doing. That was already changing me in a different way. And I guess I started riding this wave and I started being very confident in, in my choices. Mm. I wasn't second guessing myself as much. And this was obviously due to the meditation, which is such a powerful practice, which again, this hallucinogenic drug ayahuasca well it's not a drug it's a medicine let's call it a medicine this is like an enhancement to your meditation i think the meditation is ultimately the bed of the practice of everything so anyway yeah we went into adnikas and um we actually had to there's a hardcore diet that um we had to do so for two weeks there was no sex no masturbation uh i'm out everybody (laughs) no no coffee Surprisingly, the coffee was the hardest one for me. 
yeah, I actually quit coffee about a year ago and it was just pure torture. It was amazing oh, how hard it was. The headaches. Yeah. I just in... went cold turkey. I just felt sick for like yeah. two weeks. And... I, I kind of get it though. Once I was on the plane, I was like a piece of vulnerable crap. Like mm. I was like, so in the end, I'm about to have this medicine and I'm like, just take me. Mm. Yes. And I did some reading and it's like, yeah, you do this diet. It's really hardcore. So basically you are a piece of shit when you get taken under this medicine. Okay. Um, but before this, and I didn't even, you know, Jerry with this it said, oh, you have to have a volcanics, uh, water drinking ceremony. I didn't even look into this much, but wow, was this brutal. So the night before, um, you need to drink six glasses of this volcanic water, which is essentially really heavily salted water. And you get to know the people in your group pretty well because, um, you walk into this really nice garden. Um, and this is in the city of Cusco before you go somewhere else for the ceremony. So this is near the, all the hotels where everyone's staying. You kind of look in and you see all these cubicles. There's like 10 cubicles. Mm. And then the nurse comes out and she's like, all right, you got to drink this water. You got to have six glasses and then you're going to want to go to the toilet. You get to know those people pretty well when you're fully just diarrhea out of your ass. <laughs> Um, next and right, right next door, there's a person go, how you going? Yeah. you good. There was a girl mm. next to me. I'm like, you doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. <laughs> so it's essentially fulfills the purpose of an enema or something like that. It flushes you out. A hundred percent. Exactly. Um, so, but to the extent where like I've had an enema before, but, um, congratulations. Well, that, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, I guess one of the lessons I learned from this experience is that this is just a vehicle. Mm. We are just the consciousness, mm. separated consciousness from a greater consciousness in this vehicle. Mm. Um, it's And it's kind of humorous. It's kind of funny now that I fully realize that. It's easy to say that, but then realizing it is another thing. I'm happy to tell you about that experience, but I'm only happy to tell you about it because I fully believe that this is just a vehicle and sometimes it needs a retune. Yeah, right. Um, so... If someone's got, if someone else next to me has got any tips on how to calibrate it correctly, um, <laughs> right. you know, it's I'm, I'm down. Yeah, it's I'm a, down. I'm, vehicle, yeah. I'm open ears for anything like that. So I think conversations like that, hundred percent. Did we used to watch Jackass with Timbo when when uh, we used to hang out? Were you in that uh, phase of? Anyway, the the funny th the reason I mention it is because when you say the body's just a vehicle, the guy from Jackass, Stevo, who is the biggest idiot of the group yeah. i guess i think he would be happy with that description oh he'd love it um he's still out there he's like a 45 year old man mm. you know, jumping off diving boards into swimming pools with no water and things like that just to see what'll <laughs> happen he's he breaks his legs and burns himself all the time and he's got a youtube channel but he had wow. one video on his youtube channel which stuck in my head which was he was uh he just burned himself uh he'd nearly died i think and he was talking about his philosophy and it was the same philosophy again, this idea that we're just fractured pieces of God consciousness. And he called it a, um, a meat machine. You know, we're, we're just driving the meat machine. Yeah, I call like it that. a meat suit. The meat suit. I think that's exactly what he Is said. Is that what it he calls it? Suit. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's such a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It really is. Well, it certainly puts things in perspective. And then you meet people and then you find out about tools like synchronicity and then you meet people like Asher Packman and he's like, I don't have the user manual for this thing. Do you? Mm. It's, it's beautiful to think of it like yeah. that. So we're, I guess in fact, we're, we're all trying to find the user manual to the meat suit. Mm, that's right. Um, so why the hell aren't we talking Before about the weird stuff? we're forced to evacuate stuff? it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah.
So yeah, once you once the, you have the volcanic water, so I ended up having six glasses and then you just, you start shitting and the nurse clearly states there is not allowed to be any brown at all. So it has to be clear. It has to be clear right. water. Took me a lot, but I think on the sixth time, I um, 100% was absolutely clear and you have to go outside and go clear. And then she goes, really, Alex? Prove it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. This time for real. But before she goes really like the fifth time and I'm like, oh, there was a little bit of brown, like the tiniest minuscule bit though. Yeah, it was like, important. drink again. Yeah. <laughs> so drink again and then, yep. And then, yeah, it was fully crystal clear liquid. Then you're fully cleansed and then you're not to eat a single thing okay. until the ceremony, which is the next day. So you, you essentially are giving it 24 hours. You're allowed to have some tea, uh, mint tea, mm -hmm. no caffeine. But that, that is it. So then when, when you're going for your first ceremony, you are absolutely vulnerable. So yeah, let's go into the first ceremony. The first night of drinking, it was incredibly beautiful. I was in there, I think there was 12 of us. And um, I came to a lot of amazing realizations. Also, a lot of people spew from this. And this is known as a purge. I don't, I found. And I have now drunk seven times. Oh, wow. I didn't and, know that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, not once have I spewed, but who knows? Maybe I will in the future. Mm. You've got to give it respect. I can't be like having this ego going, oh, I never spew. I'm going to have this massive dose. I, um, I don't really have a gag reflex as far as, I mean, I, I can't really throw up. So yeah. I'm not sure what would happen if I tried it. Mm. I, 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 I'm sure I can throw up, I mean, I, but it's been 20 years since the last time. No, I got- um, 20 years? What's the mosquito? I got dengue once and I threw up then. So oh, that was the last time. That was, oh, no. that was about five years ago. But yeah, oh, brutal. Dengue was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. It actually reminds me of what you're talking about. Oh, there was no. a lot of purging. There was a lot of throwing up. There were no benefits. <laughs> that well, was the downside. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with the purge. I mean, the, the spew is, I guess, the most common one. But um, a lot of people cry mm. and a lot of people laugh. I was a laugher hysterical mm. like just and to the point where waterfalls would come out of my eyes just constant streams but it was so beautiful that release and then after that release happens you have some incredible visuals and realizations do you think that's an emotional release because laughter is one way to, yep. to you know work out emotion or whatever so yeah for you maybe that was an expression of the pain 100%. of your breakups and whatever other traumas you might be carrying that, yeah, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. Before the ceremony, you had a session with a psychologist. Really? I've okay. never been to a psychologist in my life, but no, um, this, was, um, this was quite a thing for me. And wow, it was beautiful. Telling mm. your problems to a complete stranger is actually incredible. Mm. And if anyone feels funny about it, they definitely shouldn't. They should just go for it because it was very, very awesome. Um, and fulfilling for me. But he said one thing. He's like, Alex, have you 100% let go of the breakup? Mm. Um, and I genuinely knew. I said, yes, I genuinely have. And that was the truth. Mm. Because when you're going under on psychedelics, um, a lot of shit's going to come up and you have to be very cool with it. Shit could go either way. Yeah. And if you don't have the power to let go, and once again, this is all meditation. If I didn't have the meditation and I just went into the ceremony, I think things would have been much different. But again, that was, I don't think that pathway was in existence. So first night of drinking, I 
came to the realization exactly what we were talking about, that this was such a clear meat suit and we were just this consciousness up the top, sitting up the top, if, if that's where we are in this vehicle. Was that a visual thing that led you to that realization? There was a separation. So there was a glow. Um, so I was just lying down and there was this beautiful glow. And then this glow would, um, then a dialogue happened between myself, could have been myself, could have been another entity, mm. who knows. Um, but basically it was a couple of glows. Um, I was one of them and then somebody else was another one. So maybe I split my consciousness. I don't know, but it was like, we were having conversations first. We were hanging in my thigh and then this, uh, other consciousness being said, Hey, uh, we've been hanging in your thigh for a while now. Do you want to like swim up to your peck? Um, <laughs> so then I was like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's hang out there. No wonder you're giggling. That's a hilarious <laughs> idea. <laughs> But it was almost like these, actually, I've just realized that now, again, that's the power of this medicine. You start realizing things all the time, every day. And yeah, maybe that was the whole reason that we were going into various parts of my body was to say that, check out, this is just a suit, you know, let's go down. Let's say it was a car. Let's go hang out in the tire. Let's go hang out in the gearbox. So was it like um, that movie, Inner Space, you kind of flying around inside your body like is it is it that literal i haven't seen that but i have to now yeah it's a pretty <laughs> trippy movie actually <laughs> i'm yeah. gonna watch it tonight <laughs> it's, it's old but um yeah martin short pretty fantastic funny. all right yeah so he yeah he gets it's like honey i shrunk the kids or whatever he shrinks okay. himself down and he gets injected into a body and he's flying around and communicating and excellent you know, he hooks into the eyeball so he can see what the person's seeing and stuff like that oh, that's great yeah it's pretty cool actually in hindsight but yeah did it yeah. was it like that or was it more conceptual because you know i've never done hallucinogenics so mm. i don't know how literal hallucinations are or whether they're just thoughts or images like i imagine things quite vividly in my head without taking any drugs so i can imagine that easily enough you know like just imagining weird stuff god i mean just one night of of weird dreaming and uh, you know i've got material for novels sometimes it's just bizarre oh, some of the things dreaming Dreaming's fantastic. I'm starting to practice how to get lucid. Oh, yeah. A lot of books. So you're lucid dreaming or are you just trying? Trying. You haven't got there yet? I managed to fly mm -hmm. uh, last week. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, See, Mariella said she has dreams that she's flying all the time. Fucking natural. How and, do you do it? I met someone at work who, yeah. I go flying all the time. You know what I have? What? I have dreams that I'm sinking all the time, drowning, but I can breathe. What does When that I was a mean? kid, my favorite dream was I would, I would sink to the bottom of the ocean, then I'd get to a point where I could feel like, oh, I can't breathe. Probably sleep apnea or something, right? Where you actually can't breathe, and I do have that. And okay. so I'd sink to the bottom of the ocean, and then a whale would come and try and eat me, right? And it would bite around my body, but not my head, but it's missing a tooth, so it can't bite me because the gap of the tooth is allowing me, and I would sleep in the whale, and that would actually get me like restful sleep will get me into, you know, REM ah, sleep. You have to look into so what this, the meaning of that dream is. Whales I, have I just assume I'm crazy. <laughs> whales have an incredible significance. And really, finally, with all that's been going on in my life, I've been meeting more and more people and um, I've become kind of email friends with a psychic. I, once again, as if old Alex would ever go to a psychic. Mm. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> But new Alex is, has got an open third eye and will 100% try everything. And more than enough, I always benefit from it. Mm. Benefiting in this way. Um, yeah, Malika, 
She's a fantastic psychic and she knows how to third eye scan, which means she can read stuff if it's covered up. Okay. This is crazy. Mm. But, um, and she can see your insides mm. through your, through your meat suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she can <laughs> see the inside of your meat suit. Yeah. It's insane. Um, but, uh, anyway, yeah, she, uh, I'm just emailing her just to tell her my things. And I told, I had a whale dream mm. and, um, it might and, be the same whale. Was he missing a tooth? I didn't look at his teeth. I don't think whales even have teeth. No, they do. They're surely. They're like brushes, aren't they? Like they got brushes in there. I don't know. Weird like that. But it's, I'm going to look it up because yeah. they're showing up. You I'd hate mentioned to think your my dream's dream. inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, um, I'm going to ask. I don't know if I talk to Malika again, I'm going to mention your dream if that's okay. Yeah. yeah Cause sure. she, um, she knows about it. She had her, she had a whale dream herself. And in the email that I got back to her, she's like, no one's ever exchanged whale dreams with me. This is amazing. Wow. <laughs> and there I just thought it was something that I needed to tell her. I used I, to deliberately seek this dream out to like get to sleep. I'd start imagining that because this is great when I'd have the dream. So when I was young, very young too, I think, I mean, like probably these are early memories, like as early as I can probably remember. I, I used to do that. It was like my spirit animal or something, maybe. If yeah. or when you do take psychedelics, that quite possibly would be a very powerful secret weapon mm. if, so, if stuff went down in your mind. Oh, as a protection. Mm. Yeah, place 100%. to hide, yeah. I used to talk to him too, I think. Wow. Which is weird because he had to clench his teeth and talk at the same time, but you're, you know, your body's inside. It was very vivid. Like I can... All the mechanizations of my cartoon whale would work within that somehow. That's that's fantastic. I'm going to look more into whales now. I'm so glad we spoke oh, about I this. Hope it, hopefully it doesn't mean you're a psychopath. Uh, hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. If, Who knows what could happen? And if there's a good interpretation and a bad interpretation, mine's the good one, okay? It's like it means, you know, whatever's good, not the psychopath <laughs> one. So Who knows which path? Do you reckon there is a path for like Alex and Harv where we're both psychos? Yeah, possibly. Quite possibly, but we yeah. haven't gone down that path. Well, I don't know. I think some of the things I used to do could be considered psychopathic in some ways. I was worried that I might be a psychopath for a while. Ah. I was concerned because I'd hear people like they'd go, oh, my, my grandmother died and I cried for three days. And I was like, geez, that, you're supposed to cry. <laughs> you know, I'd had a couple of grandparents die and I would, you know, I could move away from my family and, and not like spend any time missing them and stuff. And then I'd hear, oh, it's so hard being away from home because you're away from your family. And I was like, is it? Is yeah, that, maybe is- I'm abnormal. So I started trying to, you know, correct it, I guess. I is- wonder about stuff like that. Like, am I meant to miss someone when mm. I'm away from them? Because now with the way I'm thinking, I'm like, nah, that's just a soul contract. Everything's perfect. Mm. This is meant to be the way it's meant to be. If I'm meant to meet up with this person, it'll happen soon enough. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way, I guess I thought about that, but it was more just, it never occurred to me. Mm. If someone was uh, not present, then they weren't a concern. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's all it really was. I think that's good. I've certainly increased my understanding of other people's suffering. I think that's important. You want to know what causes suffering in other people. In the end, you want to help people. I mean, I think that's, I think that's the purpose one. I know it's the purpose behind this podcast. Mm. You got to spread the love. I guess that's the power of what I went through the meditation in combination with the ayahuasca. It made me realize that it's not about you. It's mm. about everyone else as a collective. Mm. So do the inner work, but then help everyone else. Okay. That was the first trip, which yeah. last, should I go into the second one now, which is the greatest night of my life? 
Sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. All right. I don't know what you're going to say, but I think I'm ready. Okay. So this is where I died. Oh. I literally died. So I got to mention, oh, I'd like also to mention before, um, before I did, I, I've never done any psychedelics before this. Right. This yeah. was my first psychedelic. Okay. So it's not like, um, you know, an experiment. It, I, I had a lot of respect for this. I gave, I, I read a lot. The, the preparation was ridiculous, but I had no experience, no mushrooms, no nothing. Mm. Uh, never done it before. Um, so yeah, second night, um, the dose is bigger because they, I guess they give you a tested dose and then you catch up the next morning and you have a beautiful experience. Everyone tells, tells their story. Um, so yeah, next night and it's the night straight after you get a bigger dose or whatever they decide for you. And, uh, yeah, I, I had this, I had my, um, tea and, um, 45 minutes later, nothing was happening. I was like, oh, look, I think I need another cup. Well, no, I did 10 minutes later. <laughs> the person comes around with another cup and I'm like, I'm, I'm good. And I just wanted, I was really, you know, I was kind of scared and everything. I was like, okay, this is happening. Alex, you're going under. This is a proper trip. You're going to hallucinate. You're going to trip balls. So I was seeing all these colors, but I know that um, ayahuasca is actually, you know, mother ayahuasca. It's a female entity. It's known mm. as a female kind of force, kind of spirit. So I was seeing all these beautiful colors. And I was having the time of my life thinking in my head, oh, I'm in Peru. This is an incredible experience. But you know what? I want to learn something. Like I've meditated. I'm going on a journey. Things are happening for a reason. Mother Ayahuasca, please teach me. So this spirit, you could tell it was definitely female. There was maybe a bit of a female face with a bit of a wave. There was all these nice blues and greens. She comes down to me and goes, you want to learn something? I'll fucking teach you something. She swears. What a potty mouth. I had it's, no idea. It's 100% she swore. It's mm. really weird as well. Like if you ask me what did her voice sound like, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But it got interacted that way with me. I knew that like you want to learn something, I'll fucking teach you something. So it was more a communication. but It was a communication. Yeah. But if you like we're communicating with our meat suits. <laughs> it Your wasn't meat suits that. looking good today, by the way, I meant to say. Yeah. Well oh, the, thanks. You too, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. So I basically got transported into this death world. Okay. And and what happened then was that I actually oh yeah. Before we before we did this ceremony, we had to sign a piece of paper, a contract, saying because people have died before. But let me state and be clear that the people which I know have died, obviously some of them weren't prepared and they were probably on antidepressants which could, or other various drugs which really 100% should not go well with. They wouldn't be a good combination with ayahuasca. Mm. So, look, there has been cases but hardly any. Also, there has been cases where the shaman is a fake shaman and uh, they will basically fully drug you up with whatever they have and take your money and stuff. So there is, there's definitely some I risk. I would assume that's getting worse as there's more interest in this kind of thing. Correct. hundred percent. So just be incredibly careful. Um, mm. Read the reviews. I'm bigging up at Nikas. If you're interested, hundred percent go with it. Nikas, they're fantastic. So I'm in the death world. Oh yeah. The form I signed said uh, in no particular order, this may cause. And the first thing is death. <laughs> <laughs> Side effects include. Yeah. yeah. 
permanent death. Hundred yeah, yeah. percent. So me and my friend, it's like I'm just like I kind of saw that and my heart started pounding, but I signed it. I was like, yeah, this is all meant to be. It's all led up to this moment. Okay, so back to the the death world. I'm in the death world. Everything's red and lavery, and I'm in a basically a lava pit. And um, my uh, I've got my knees and above. Uh, so above my knees is all cut. Um, and, um, my, I've got my pecs, so you can, I've still got my nipples and my arms. Um, that's pretty much the line. So just below my nipples is where I'm totally cut. So yes, my dick and everything. When you say cut, you mean severed? Mutilated. Okay. Guts, everything absolutely mutilated. It's like there was a lava pit in between and my legs and arms were hanging out in the middle. So it's like this, it's like something happened here. Well, that would cause um, a little bit of, uh, that's disturbing. Oh, it was incredibly disturbing. Once mm. again, I don't spew. So the ayahuasca is in my system mm. and it's in my guts moving around. So everything, what was happening in my physical body was contributing to what was happening to me mentally. Okay. It so there was, was a connection the whole time to the physical body that you could kind of feel or, or you just, or do you think that might be just. How do you explain it? I think it was just contributing to the pain. Mm. Um, But night one, lesson one, consciousness is separated from the body. What Mm. a powerful lesson. Mm. And thank God, because it helped me so much with what was about to happen. Mm. So I'm mutilated. My dick's fucking to the left here and my guts are out here. And, um, and I was in incredible amounts of pain and I made a realization and I thought, Alex, you're dead. You've lost your mind. I 100% was like, you are dead. Daniel, my friend, he'll, you know, these things happen. He'll explain to my parents that, you know, this is what we did. And this is my human experience over. Mm. That's the realization I made. So then Mother Ayahuasca comes down in her, you know, semi-like female form. She comes down and she goes, what are you going to do now? And at that point, because I believed I was dead, I kind of started being humorous. Mm. I'm like, well, you kind of put me in a tough spot. <laughs> um, so, and, and then she's like laughing at me and she's kind of like laughs and then disappears. And then I'm just like, well, I'm here. Still got my arms. And this is just a body. So whatever. And I, that's honestly how I felt. If so you're going to show anyone that their body is a meat suit, chopping it up into bits of steak would be a pretty effective way of doing that. 100%. She's pretty smart, but she's also a bit of a smart ass from the sounds. Of it. Yes. A bit of a potty mouth and a smart ass. Yes, 100%. At that point, I'm making this realization. And then um, suddenly these crows come down. She comes down again, but these crows kind of follow. And these crows start biting at me. Mm. And, and she, again, what are you going to do now? And I'm just like, you're fucked. You're like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like I just, but it, then I kept on using the power of the realization. And I guess meditation helped me with that and everything. And just the lessons from the night before. And because I guess because of the ayahuasca working in my gut, I could feel everything. Mm. It was brutal. It was painful. And these crows were biting at my guts and eating me. Mm. And then, then I let go a bit and I was like, it's just a meat suit. It's cool. Mm. It's just a vehicle. I'm still going to be fine. You can't kill me. Then this one crow was over to the left. And, uh, I 
I basically just was humorous. I still had my arms and I actually grabbed some of my guts and I said, hey, mate, you're missing out. Have some of this. And I gave it to this bird. Then she came down. Obviously, that was some kind of test. Mm. She came down and she goes, now you realize that 100%, you don't give a fuck. You are a separate being from your suit. You know, she made it super clear. Now I'm going to show you something. Mm. Then I came out of the death world and between each realm that I went to, I went to another three realms. I can't even explain the colors that I saw. Just talking about this now shivers the shit out of me. Like it's so beautiful. The colors and everything, it was like, I've been there before, but I'm experiencing it for the first time. I felt super comfortable. Like this is what life is. So I saw these beautiful things, like these beautiful patterns. There was like an insect realm and then there was a blue realm, which kind of was like it was really a lot of weird things between the realms there was a lot of oddities at the end there was a white world so in the end i went through four different worlds i found out later through talking to the shaman the next day that um it, it's weird cuz he he only um he only talks spanish right and um then there's an english translator so i'm kind of like talking to the translator and i'm explaining everything and then he's just like and i can't speak spanish like hardly at all and he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty much saying, you went to the four worlds. That's really mm. good. On your second go, that's insane, yeah. basically. <laughs> so um, I was incredibly happy. And I have to say it would have been the diet, the going to the gym, the just living really good lifestyle up to that point that allowed me to have this amazing breakthrough. I easily, judging from the next day, I easily had the most insane breakthrough compared to everybody else. It, it kind of was shit. Everyone was like, Oh, I wish that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> but um So there's a dozen people. Yes. No one you know what was the uh, not to focus on the negative, but what what was the worst experience that anyone had like as far as did someone just completely freak out or anything like that? Yeah. So what was the what was the end result of that as far as on their psychology do you feel? There was people there which had a lot more hardcore problems than me. I just went through a breakup and was going on a spiritual journey and had a mm. really good mindset with the books that I've read and the diets that I've been on and just the health kick that I went on. But there was a lot of people there which actually had a lot of hardcore problems, like 21-year-old girls who realize they can't have kids, and, right. you know, things like that. There was another, another guy who was an incredible drug addict, very hardcore drug abuser, and, um, you know, he read about this. And so, look, those people are going to get their shit handed to them mm. in when they're hallucinating. So I was actually speaking to Doug on, it was Sunday when we were recording his audio book. And um, he actually said to me, um, the worst thing that you can do for someone who's got a fucked up mind and has got a lot of damage to work through is to tell them to be mindful because you're telling them to sit and examine the mess and contemplate how hard it would be. Like, how do you even start sorting out these problems? You know, he said, yeah. it's, um, it's a quite a dangerous sort of trend at the moment, this mindfulness thing. You know, you've got um, guys like Sam Harris doing guided meditation. Mm. I don't know how qualified he is or I've heard a bit of what he says. It sounds quite innocuous to me, but I have no idea what sort of conclusions that could lead people to. You know, I worry about it because, you know, I look into things like um, mind control and MK Ultra and all these kind mm. of the, at the dark side of mindfulness, like, and I really worry about if I got the wrong app and they put some really dumb ideas in my head, or, you know, that kind of stuff. 
Wow. It does concern me. And yeah, I think if you're starting from an unhealthy point of view, maybe this isn't a good idea. Do you feel like you could tell if someone was ready or if they would be doing it for unhealthy reasons? If I was to say yes to that, I wouldn't have experienced, you know, what I've experienced. If I was to say yes to that, I'm an idiot. So you would say you you probably weren't ready, but it was a good experience anyway? No, I was definitely ready. Yeah. I was definitely ready. Yeah. Because that's what the universe had planned for me. Yeah. But um, if you were to say, do you think I'm ready? And I actually thought that I was good enough to say that. Fuck no, man. Yeah. I, I 100% can't tell if someone's ready. I've, I've had a lot of experience and I can share my experience. And I think that's what we should do as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the end, this is just a tool. But yeah, I think it requires a lot of preparation and meditation. I will definitely push meditation. I mean, you're talking about the MK Ultra and stuff like that. And yes, you've got Sam Harris now with a meditation app. I haven't looked into it. It's freaking crazy. It's pretty new, but um, he he's published a few bits and pieces to give you an idea of what he says. And mm. it's all about how insignificant you are and life is meaningless and just let go and, you know. Maybe that would help some people. I'm not sure if I want to be told how insignificant I am. I don't think that's what I would contemplate. At the end of the day, we need to start recognizing how important we are, not the opposite. Well, but that's the whole, then you look at collective consciousness and you think we are all one. So I think that's the message that we should be spreading. I am just like you. I'm just like the next person. It's so funny. It's like then with race, it's like, oh, there's a black guy next to me. There's an Asian guy on, on my other side. We're all the same people. It's just oh, that's a very good lesson, and it's it's very important. But so I do I, I do data analytics. That's my yeah. job, right? So the way I look at it is your story is a data point. It's exactly as important as every other data point mm-hmm. for this whatever it is psychological experiment of the God consciousness, or mm-hmm. however you want to express that, yep. right? So however you think of it. But if your data point gets lost, that's a pretty significant thing too, because then your experience wasn't factored in to whatever this collective consciousness is learning. So for me, it's you need to feed your experience back into the collective consciousness and find a way to do that. Otherwise, it's just in your head, right? Now, I understand the idea that maybe we'll all reassemble and maybe everything will be factored in, but I feel like maybe that's not how it works. Maybe it's to do with recording your experience as well and communicating it to others and sharing it. Otherwise, what's the point of all these things? What's the point of art? What's the point of social interaction? What's the point of uh, just telling stories around a campfire? You know, all of these things that we do and we know that they're important instinctively, I think there's a reason why we think they're important. So do you believe in reincarnation then? Not in sort of a you become another person sort Mm -hmm. of sense. I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, none of us do. I sort of go on the assumption I can't really know that. So... Oh, me too. I don't spend a lot of time worrying about it. I don't worry about it, but it's something it I'm just going to touch on it because of what you just said. So there's um have you heard of Rupert Sheldrick? Not sure. I don't think so. He's um he's a scholar hmm. um who has got a theory called morphic resonance. I know about morphic resonance. So he's the guy. Who so did Sam that. Harris interviewed someone who talked about probably that resonance. guy. Yeah. Probably okay. that guy. Yep, that might be why the name's a bit familiar. So he he actually actually he wrote a great book called um Science and Spirituality. Yes, right. All about the scientific aspect of meditation. Yep. So that makes sense why yeah, he I haven't seen him and Sam Harris speak, but that makes complete sense how yep. Sam Harris has now gone on this tangent. But yeah, he basically he did a study on rats and 
rats in one place in the world learn something new. Rats in another place in the world actually pick up on the same vibe. Yes, that's right. So there's a, a collective knowledge somehow. Mm. Yeah. And then he compares that to humans. The IQ test is getting way, way easier. So he, that's just one of the studies. But he has this morphic resonance thing. And then I put reincarnation in there saying that we have a human experience. Who knows? This could be our last human experience. I feel that we're getting pretty close talking about this stuff on a podcast. Hmm. Who knows where this can go, what it can lead yes. to. Well, that's why you do it, right? It's not because you think necessarily it's got value. You just worry that it might. So you yeah. want to get the thoughts out and share because I, I don't know where it, where it goes. I don't really. You don't. I, that's not really my job to know that. It's more about if I think something and if I feel like my brain's an interesting place to be, which it has been recently, I felt like, well, put it out there. At least people will tell me if I'm going nuts, you know, like if it gets that kind of response, yep. at yep. least I'll have some kind of warning signal that I need some help. And if I'm not going nuts and other people are thinking the same thing, but no one's saying it out loud, then I can be one of the people who say it out loud for them and then they won't have to worry about that. And as it turns out, a lot of people are saying the same things already. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, as soon as you start saying things out loud, you, you, you find out how many other people have been thinking the same things at the same time. 100%. And, and that's kind of morphic resonance, right? Yeah. I mean, and then, well, I, I guess- But we're I not separated by distance necessarily. But, no. Hmm. I believe there's a feedback loop. It gets put into the human experience. Mm. You know, we leave some stuff behind and then the other consciousness go and maybe quite possibly, look, some of us might want to stay in the higher realm, but the other ones were like, you know what? I'm going back down. I'll go to this place called Melbourne. I'll hang out with this guy called Harv. Right. Yeah. That's Jeez. my soul. Good contract. choices, man. Good choices. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's, and you, <laughs> and you, you're the one. Hey, you decided to be here too. It's yeah, like, true. it's like, yeah, I'll fuck it. I'll hang out with you. Why it, not? It's, it's my place. <laughs> I didn't really have anywhere to go. You know? <laughs> no, yeah, it was. It's funny though. I mean, it was the first thing I thought of when we started talking. I was like, I got, I got to get Alex on the podcast. And it's kind of uh, there's there's a sort of narcissistic angle to that, which I oh, am uncomfortable really? with. It, I don't think it, I well, I don't think my motivation is narcissistic, but I think it comes across that way sometimes. People like promoting their own podcast and ooh, oh, no way, man. It's, it's I usually don't mention it, but it just so much of what you said was stuff that I'd been thinking about or talking about. So it just seemed like a natural thing. So um, we started with synchronicity. Yes. Maybe that's the one thing people can do. Just start noticing the coincidences that come across their desk and having to think about why that might be mm. and having the courage to maybe follow a path that doesn't necessarily make sense immediately. You know, um, you and I bumping into each other, you could have easily just not said hi, right? Yeah. If I'd seen you in 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 the store, I, I'm not sure if I would have said hi if you hadn't. So Well, you didn't recognize me. I did eventually. You though. did eventually. Pretty quickly. I used to have hair, man. Now I don't. Yeah, have yeah. Hair. I mean, you've changed a little bit, but no, I I recognize people by their eyes. Mm -hmm. So I don't always look directly. It's kind of creepy if you look directly in people's eyes if you think they're a stranger, right? So you tend to sort of not do more eye contact than is. It shouldn't be weird though, because that's be. where we believe everything happens. What yeah, we've been yeah. talking about. Yeah. So Jesus, they're the windows. Yeah, exactly. But that's how I recognize people. So as soon as I looked in your eyes, I was like, oh yeah. And then I still can remember your name or how we knew each other. That sort of came back slowly, but that's <laughs> just because I'm older now. Things come a bit slower these days. You got to just retune the meat suit. 
little mm. bit. Reach you in the meat suit. That's yeah, long just, overdue. Just go for a tune-up and uh, who knows? That can be an anima yeah. or it can be an ayahuasca session. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So ayahuasca now is being considered as a potential medicine to break addiction. So I think there's a long way to go. It's not accepted. How many there's... years do you think, Harp? See, I, the problem with science is it needs to find a problem to treat that's specific to the drug or to the um, the medicine or whatever it is. You know, I mean, this is plant-based. I don't know if you can call it a drug, but whatever. That's the thing. I mean, I in the end, what I really want to do, and like I didn't really talk about this, but a lot of I had a lot of other experiences, and one of the things I came across, I would love to help old people. Um, who are afraid, who are anxious of going across to the other side, mm. I would like to help them and show them that it's all okay. Mm. It keeps going. Mm. And I would love to use possibly psilocybin or ayahuasca in that. And I would hope that maybe in the future there would be something like a massage parlor, but it'll be a psychedelic parlor. Mm. And of course, it'll be incredibly safe, but you could just go in there and pay what, whatever it's worth. And, um, yeah, I honestly do believe that hopefully this would happen. Well, we've talked about a lot of things. There's a lot of things to explore. Oh, man. Oh, I feel like I'm just on the start of like a journey towards all sorts of craziness. But, um, you know, it's going to be too. positive stuff. So Me too. I'm, I'm glad we bumped into each other. And, you know, maybe we'll come back, do a recap. This has been fantastic. Thank you so and, much uh, for having me. We'll definitely catch up again. And, it's uh, meant to be. Yeah, it's meant to be. That's right. Well, the synchronistic uh, events just keep happening. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Cheers, Alex. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.